0: the truth in my days podcast where we defend the word of god against the challenges of men
1: hello all today we have adrian speaking with john on the question of whether jesus only came for the jewish people john answers this question by going back right to the bible we are continuing from the last episode we hope you have a listen and enjoy jesus is already healing a gentile the centurion was certainly a gentile a roman centurion And he gives them the healing, and not only that, but he makes this comment that there will be some of the sons of the kingdom, the Jewish people, who will be cast out, and some from the east and the west, the Gentiles, who will be in. So already the idea that Jesus was only for the Jewish people is not viable. And then we have in John chapter 4, where he meets the Samaritan woman at the well in Sychar, and as a result of his encounter with her, Whole group of Samaritans come to believe in him and inherit eternal life through faith in him. So we see multiple examples of this. Mark chapter 3, verses 7 to 10 and a great multitude from Galilee followed him, and from Judea and Jerusalem, and Idumea and beyond the Jordan, and those from Tyre and Sidon, a great multitude. When they heard how many things he was doing, came to him. So he told his disciples that a small boat should be kept ready for him because of the multitude, lest they should crush him, for he healed many, so that as many as had afflictions pressed about him to touch him. So here are the people coming to him, and he's healing them, and include it includes those from Tyre and Sidon, which in fact is the very region where he meets this Canaanite woman. And then of course there's the great commission. In Matthew 28:18 to 20. Jesus came and spoke to them saying, "All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you, and lo I am with you always even to the end of the age." Amen. So, the command then is to go and make disciples of all the nations. The word translated nations could just as well be translated Gentiles.
2: So, why did Jesus say then he was only sent for the lost sheep of Israel?
1: Well, it seems that when he says that, when he sends out his disciples on that preaching tour and tells them to go only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel, that applied only to that particular preaching tour. Because we see it everywhere else. He is dealing with Gentiles. His mission is to Gentiles. It's fulfilling what was said in the Bible from the beginning. That through Abraham, all the families of the earth will be blessed. Now, we do see that chronologically, he did go to the Jew first. But also to the Gentile. Not second to the Gentile. If we look in Romans 1.16, we read, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of salvation to those who believe for the Jew first and also for the Gentile, so, or also for the Greek. So it is for the Jew first chronologically, but it is not second to the Gentile, it is also to the Gentile. So it, clearly then, the gospel is for both Jew and Gentile.
2: okay. Uh, But some people are still troubled by that incident with the Canaanite woman. Let me read it. Then Jesus went out from there and departed to the region of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a woman of Canaan came from that region and cried out to him, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely demon-possessed. But he answered her not a word. And his disciples came and urged him, saying, Send her away, for she cries out after us. But he answered and said, I was not sent except to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Then she came and worshipped him, saying, Lord, help me. But he answered and said, It is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the little dogs. And she said, Yes, Lord, yet even the little dogs eat the crumbs which fall from their master's table. Then Jesus answered and said to her, O woman, great is your faith. Let it be to you as you desire And her daughter was healed from that very hour, Matthew fifteen, twenty-one to twenty-eight. So critics claim that Jesus was mean there, insulting even, calling her a dog, and he was racist. Others say that the woman actually forced him to change his mind, which would cast doubt on the divine omniscience. Are these actual problems?
1: No, not when you understand what Jesus is doing. First, we note that if he had a policy against healing Gentiles for whatever reason, he would not have done it, no matter what she said. But in point of fact, he had no such policy. We've already seen him do it a number of times. So he must have had another reason for what he did here. So ask yourself, what was the purpose of Jesus in doing miracles? Why did he do them?
2: To show the power of God, to show that he comes from God.
1: That was one, one key purpose was to authenticate himself. He says repeatedly, if you do not believe me, believe the works. The works testify me. So certainly primary purpose of the miracles was to authenticate himself. But there was another purpose, which we notice in the individual healings that are described. They're always intended to move people along in faith, move them forward in the faith journey. Usually, the healing or the miracle doesn't take them all the way to actually converting, accepting Jesus as Savior, but there are exceptions. Notably, the man born blind who was healed in John chapter 9. After he has his run-in with the Jewish leaders in the synagogue, Jesus finds him and says to him, do you believe in the Son of God? He says, Lord, who is he that I may believe in him? And Jesus says, you have both seen him and it is he who is speaking with you. And he says, Lord, I believe. So the purpose and the miracle is what brought this fellow. Before that miracle, he may not have been thinking at all about Jesus. But in most cases, the miracles will move a person along on a faith journey without bringing them all the way home yet. That fellow who had a son who was demon possessed, the demon was throwing him into the fire and the water trying to kill him. And he's asking Jesus to heal the son. And Jesus says, if you believe, all things are possible to him who believes. The man says, I believe, Lord, help my unbelief. So he's, he's partly on the road to faith, not all the way there. And the miracles are meant to move them along. And I think that's what's happening here. Understand she's a Canaanite. She's not part of the Jewish people. From her point of view, that would probably mean she's a henotheist. Now, what is a henotheist? It's not somebody who worships hens. Henotheist is a person who believes there are multiple gods, but worships only one of them. So they believe in their god or gods of their nation without denying the reality of other gods. As you go through the Old Testament, for example, you see that, that most of the pagan peoples knew about the God of Israel... And feared him. But they were still following their own gods. You see that in the case of Rahab the harlot. When the spies are talking to her. And she tells them that for 40 years. We knew what your God did. To those other kings. Across the Jordan. And we were afraid. So they knew about the God of the Israelites. And they feared him. But they still clung to their own gods. So. This is most likely the situation with this lady. She has her own gods. She's not following the the God of the Jewish people. And she's finding her daughter in this trouble and her God is not able to help her. So in desperation, she seeks this prophet of the Jews. And really, she wants only one thing. She wants healing for her daughter. And after that, she will go back to her own gods. And that's not good enough for Jesus. What he does is forcing her to think things through. When he says, I am not sent but to the the lost sheep of the house of Israel, she has to think, well, why are you coming to me then? Why would you come to me if if this is your mindset, that, that I'm the Jewish prophet, I represent the Jewish God, so I'm only for the Jewish people? Why then are you coming here for healing? Just maybe that Jewish God isn't only for the Jewish people. And he's forcing her to think these things through. If she's actually going to eat crumbs from the master's table, well, who's that the master of then? That would be the master of her, isn't it? So the goal that Jesus is doing here is to try to get her to see that God is for all people, not just for the Jewish people. And I think he's, he's nudging her towards that view because he says to her, great is your faith. So she's moving there. And because of that, Jesus rewards her and moves along that direction with a miracle the one she asked for when people are not interested in faith they're not interested in moving ahead they don't get miracles you remember in mark chapter 6 when jesus went back to his hometown and the people were offended at him they didn't take him seriously like who is this guy to tell us these things and we read in mark chapter 6 he could do no mighty works there except that he healed a few sick people and he marveled because of their unbelief they're not willing to move out in faith, they're not going to get miracles.
2: Still, some people say that Jesus was being mean by comparing her to a dog. What, what can we say about that?
1: Well, what the apologists will usually say is to point out uh, that there are two different words in Greek for dog: Kuon and kunarian. Kuon is like a big, nasty, often semi-wild dog. The Cunarion is the little dog, the little house pet, the one that would be eating the scraps from the master's table. So he's saying, well, it's, he's not hes just not comparing her to this big, nasty, vicious dog, but a cute little house dog. Does that make it better though?
2: Well, I, I'm thinking if it is an analogy of comparison, then there's really no insult involved.
1: And I think you fit the nail on the head there. Exactly, that's the kicker. He never says, you are a dog. He simply makes the statement that it's not good to take the children's food and give it children's bread and give it to the little dogs. And that reads very much like an aphorism, an old saying, a proverbial saying, very much like, do not give what is holy to the dogs, neither cast your pearls before swine, lest they trample them under their feet and turn and tear you in pieces, Matthew 7, 6. These are proverbs. We have them in English. And that one, by the way, Matthew 7, 6, uses kuon. For example.
2: Wait, remind me, what's kuon
1: again? Kuon is the big nasty dog. Okay. The, the semi-wild dog. So, consider this. You're trying to teach me how to use some kind of new piece of software, technical stuff. I'm not much of a, a techno geek. I'm not understanding it. And finally, you get frustrated and you say, you can't teach an old dog new tricks. Would I consider that you just called me a dog?
2: No, not if you're in your right mind.
1: Well, yeah, exactly. It's an old saying. No, When you say that, you can't teach an old dog new tricks. It's a proverbial saying illustrating a point. It's not actually calling the person a dog. I could, I could come home after a tough day of working and ask, what have you been doing? I said, I was working like a dog. Am I calling myself a dog then and insulting myself? Of course not. Things go particularly well for me this day. And I say, well, every dog has his day. Am I insulting myself? If somebody says he's the underdog in the fight. Would they consider they're being insulted? Let sleeping dogs lie. Barking dogs don't bite. Oh, I feel sick as a dog. Am I insulting myself? No, it's a dog eat dog world. His bark is worse than his bite. So. We do that. We have all kinds of proverbial sayings that involve dogs. But because they're understood to be proverbial sayings, illustrating a point, when you use that, nobody thinks you're directing it against him or insulting him. And that's what's happening here. He's he's giving an aphorism, a proverbial saying that is illustrating the point he's getting at. She gets the point. She understands that the master here might be for more than just the Jewish people, but for her as well. So he is not mean, he is not rude, he is not insulting, and he's not restricting the gospel only to the Jewish people. On the contrary, what he's doing is showing tough love. He doesn't instantly grant her request so that she can move forward in faith, which ultimately is more important and so the bottom line here, we see in Romans one sixteen, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first, and also for the Greek.
0: Thank you, John, for another interesting session. I hope everyone can join us again. If you enjoy our content and think this is important material, the best compliment you can pay is by sharing this with your friends and family. This helps us out a lot. Also, if you enjoyed today's program, please like, comment, share, and subscribe to this podcast. We would love to hear from you. Thank you for listening to the Truth In My Days podcast with John Torse. We would love to hear from you.